And I'm excited about having you on the show today, Gwen. Um, she's a human resource director. Uh, she is doing lots of great things in healthcare where we, we actually, that's where we need a lot of help is in healthcare. But what I love about what you want to do is you want to help elevate the human experience in the workplace through L-O-V-E. Welcome to the show, Gwen Chambers. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Happy 2021. Yes. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm glad to be alive and healthy. I'm extremely right. grateful. Right. And I did see the live notification, so I'm just going to bring that up so I can see the comments as they come in, because I want to make sure that I, I don't miss the comments. And and Joe, are you helping me today with comments? I don't remember. Did we did we assign you to that? Yes. Yeah, Thank I you very much. I'm, okay. I'm, All right. So you're, she'll be helping me out. She already got fo- quite a few few folks who are already signing in. Uh, we've we had some some challenges this week, but we're getting over those challenges. We're meeting those challenges head on, Gwen. Thank you for being here. And the first thing I want to know, and I know a lot of other people want to know this too, what does love stand for, L-O-V-E? Well, we all know what love is. And when we're talking about love in the workplace, we're not talking about, uh, well, let me talk, let me tell you what we're not talking about. Okay. Um, we're not talking about, you know, sensual kind of love. We're talking right. about brotherly love. We're talking about brotherly love. And for me, that acronym stands for leadership, ownership values and effort and i think if you have those four essential ingredients in the workplace you're off to a pretty good start and that's how we elevate the human experience because after all you know the workplace is all about people yes people culture and i think if we you know stay focused on those two things um you know using love i think we can win and for me win stands for whatever is necessary so oh but you will find that i'm i'm a lot about acronyms I like that. Whatever is, go ahead with yourself. Whatever is necessary. I like that. Right. Okay. So uh, those who are just signing in, if you're just signing in now, let us know what city in your state you're coming from. Let us know where you are in your journey. Are you in HR, talent acquisition? Uh, Are you looking for a position? Are you in a career and you're looking to kind of take that next step? Uh, maybe be more more impactful in your career. Let us know where you are. Where are you in your journey? We'd like to know. We want to hear your questions. We want to hear your comments throughout this discussion. It's going to be very interactive. Uh, Gwen's a very interactive person, and so am I. So we love to hear from you. And I'm going to type in what you just said. I'm going to put it up on the screen here. I love what you said. So what's the first one here? L O V E. What's that? Leadership. Leadership. Okay. Ownership. Ownership. Values. Values. And effort. And effort, effort, effort. That's right. Okay. Check this out. I'll put it up on the screen right now. You see that? Leadership, ownership, values, and effort. I love that. So that's Thank what the, that's what our L-O-V-E stands for. So elevating the human experience in the workplace. Do you feel like we've lost a lot of that human experience? I do. Uh, you know, I've been in human resources for a very, 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 very long time. I won't say how many varies, but um, yeah, you know, I mean, after a while, I started to wonder if I was in the right field because, you know, to me, human resources is all about the people. And a lot of the organizations that I supported in the past, of course, they had people in the in the workplace. However, there was a, the focus was more on profits and policies and processes. And it's like, let's, you know. Don't forget about the people because we're the ones that's doing the work. So to answer your question, absolutely yes. So what before my next question is how do we bring that back? But before we do that, I want Joe. Can you let us know who's been signing in so far? Let's say hello to some of these folks. Yes. So we have Ava Naimi said hello. 
Um, ha- don't think they said where they're coming from, but we have um, Cherie Michaels. She is coming from Marina del Rey, California. Um, Excellent. Hi. Have, um, Caroline Driscoll said, hello, everyone. Signing in from Concord. Uh, what is NH? New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Yeah, New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Um, awesome. And she said, I am a new SDR. A new SDR. Okay. Yes. And Ava's um, signing in from Los Angeles. Excellent. Well, thank all of you for coming in. Uh, California people. What's that? My California people. I love it. That's great. No, I don't know. I, I don't know. Okay. So here's something I want to do that's kind of new today. If If one of you wants to actually ask a question, uh, by voice, audio, um, we, we can supply you with a phone number. You can call in and we can let you call in your question. And uh, that way you can ask us or you can just put it right in the chat. Go ahead and let us know what your questions are as we talk about elevating the human experience in the workplace. So from your standpoint, Gwen, what can we do? What's like that first one or two steps we can take to start bringing the human experience and, and, and elevating it? In your, in HR. I think one of the first things that we have to do is just recognize that people are important, that people matter. And it's not, you know, just employees. It's not just managers. It's not just the customers. I mean, it's everybody. And I think sometimes that, you know, we just focus on we're here for the customers. Well, yeah, we are. I mean, after all, they're the ones that keep us in business, but we have to take care of our people first. They can take care of the customers. So I think one of the first things we need to do is just recognize that and kind of you know, readjust our mindset to know that people first. And it starts with the people that work for the organization. And another thing, of course, is the culture. People and culture are my two things. I think that if we can get those two things right, we can win. Oh, I love that. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. Absolutely. Um, No, I think that's definitely a key component. Do you feel that, what do you feel is going to be the big driver? Is it going to be uh, the executive leadership, is it going to be someone that's in HR that's a catalyst? Is it going to be the, the workers from, from the, from the front lines? Where, where do you see the changes coming from where we can elevate this human experience in the workplace? You know, like with a lot of things, I think it does start at the top. It does start with our executive leadership team. And, and I don't mean in the sense where they say, you know, here's your mission statement, here's your value statement, and then turn, you know, turn around and do something totally different. It has to start there because, after all, that's what employees do is that they follow the leader. Right. And until those individuals are walking the talk, um, you know, not, not a lot can happen. So I definitely believe it starts with the leaders. And then, of course, it starts with the associates, you know, the employees, too. I mean, we have to have the right people on the team. Um, you know, they have to be there because of certain things that are uh, maybe intrinsic to them. Um, you know, if they are not, you know, someone who wants to, to, to be of service and to help, then probably being in a service industry is probably not, you know, their calling. So I believe it takes all of us, uh, but I do believe that it starts at the top. Now, you, you're bringing up something that is interesting for me because I, I've seen this happen where, you know, maybe they're not, they're not right fit for the team. Now, when you say team, do you do you mean team as in the whole company, in the department, organization, culture? What's the first thing you think of when you say they're not the right fit for the team? I would say the organization at large. Okay. I mean, what is it that we're trying to accomplish as an organization? And then from there, you kind of work your way out to the people. 
Got it. Okay. So let's say you have someone who it seems like they might not be the right fit for the team. What steps do you think should be taken to see if that person is actually the right person, if they can be, for lack of a better term, rehabilitated to be the right person? I mean, what steps, this human experience you're talking about, does it play into that? If you see somebody who just seems like they're just not working out right, what are the next steps in your opinion? Well, ideally, I like to be a little bit more proactive in addressing uh, the, the associate before they you know, come on board and having you know, different types of assessments and protocols that we would use prior to bringing somebody on to make sure they're the right fit. I mean, that's a totally different subject, I know. But um, let's just say that they are within the organization. And this is when we kind of sit down and we try to find out what their strengths are and see where we might be able to help them develop them. Um, it takes two, you know, some people may just say, you know what, that's not for me, you know, I'm out. Um, but I think we do owe it to a person that we bring on the team to, to determine, you know, relatively quickly, you know, if they are going to be a good fit, because if it's not working for us, it's probably not working for them either. And, you know, when you have someone that's in your workplace that really doesn't want to be there, um, a whole lot of things can happen as you yeah, know. Yeah, sure. So, absolutely. So definitely developing them, you know, finding out what their strengths are, you know, understanding what really turns them on um, and, and kind of try to, you know, work with them. And mm-hmm. if not, then, you know, we have to, you know, to exit amicably, hopefully. And sometimes that, you know, depending on the organization that may help, uh, you know, providing them with some type of a severance package, providing them without placement, but doing it in a human and dignified manner. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I agree with that. So in your perspective, from what you've seen and the companies you've worked with overall, do you think that you've seen that level of effort to try and meet with a person and, and see if there's a, is there, is there, if there is some strengths that we're not taking advantage of? And do you see that sort of thing going on right now? Is that something where you see is kind of a, a, a huge lack? You know, I would have to say there's, you know, some great organizations that I've been a part of who have, you know, tried to go that route uh, in helping people develop their strengths and putting them in the right, you know, situations. However, you know, I've also had some where they're just like, you know what, they're not meeting it, you know, get them out of here. And, you know, those are the times when I just thought, wow, you know, am I in the right position? Am I in the right industry? Am I in the right, um, you know, line of work? Because that just doesn't set well with me. Um, so I would have to say, you know, 50, 50, probably. Yeah. So, okay. I and then like- you wonder why you have, you know, skyrocketing absenteeism, you know, workers comp costs that are out of the, out of the world. You wonder why you have labor unions and strikes and, you know, you can probably, you know, more than likely look back at the leadership of that organization or the culture of that organization and say, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Ah, so it's kind of like, yeah. Where there's smoke, there's fire kind of thing. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what I would say is, you know, pay me now, pay me later. It's kind of a thing. So it's either we're going to invest in our people and let them help us, or they're going to leave and we're going to have all this turnover, as you probably know very well about turnover. And, yeah. you know, trying to retain folks is is, is difficult right now. Absolutely. Now, especially in healthcare. Especially in healthcare. Absolutely. Uh, especially if we're talking about these really hard to fill positions like your nurses and uh, providers, uh, nurse practitioners and physicians. Right. right, uh, Those are the front lines. Uh, Joe, uh, I want to make sure we acknowledge any of the new ones coming in. And by the way, before you do that, folks, if you're just coming in, let us know where you're signing in from, what city, what state. Um, And, oh, we lost the video for Gwen. 
Uh, let us know what city and state you're coming in from. Uh, let us know where you are on the journey. Are you on the TA side, uh, the talent acquisition, the HR side? Are you on the, uh, the, the job seeking side? Or are you in a career, in a job, and you're just trying to make your way to see if there's a way you can contribute to making the, um, uh, the, the workplace more of a, a better human experience. So Joe, uh, share with us what you see in the comments, uh, any acknowledgements, any questions? Yes. Yeah, so we have, um, Kim Ali who joined us as well. Hey, as, Kim. Um, as well as, uh, Dr. Stevenson. Hey, Dr. Stevenson. And, um, <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so Ava asked a question. How do you think we can create a more, th- more truthful culture in situations you arrived and it wasn't present? Mm. Wow. Okay. So how do you think we can create a more truthful culture in situations you arrived and it wasn't present? Okay. So if the truthful situation wasn't there, how do you, how do you make it more truthful? Is it, am I getting that right? Are we saying like maybe you? Sorry, I can repeat the question. Repeat it one more time, please. Okay, it says, "How do you think we can create a more truthful culture in situations you arrived and wasn't present?" I'm I'm thinking she's saying it wasn't present before, or or, or, and and you're trying to make it more truthful. I don't know. What what are you getting from that, Gwen? I want to make maybe that person. You know, the first thing that I think of when I when I hear the question is um, psychological safety. You know, how can people show up as their truthful selves? Um, and if they don't feel safe, they're not going to do that. The other thing that my mind kind of went to also was maybe you interviewed for a position and you thought it was one thing you got there and it was something totally different. Ooh, so so yes. I so I don't know which which it is, but yeah. Those are two good, those are two really good subjects we should talk about anyway. If for some reason we're on the right we're not on the right track, Ava, let us know. Um but yeah. Okay, that's so. Let's go down both those tracks. I love both oh. those, Gwen. So, okay. so being your true self at work, uh, not not necessarily. How do we create the psychological safety where people can be their true selves at work? Well, I think it goes to the V, the values and love. Uh, yes, is making sure that you have the right values that you know from the very very top has said these are the values of our organization and this is how we operate, and then operate that way. And if you don't operate that way help people see the light or help them see the door, you know, eventually. Um, But I think that you have to first start with the values, you know, what's important around here and then live up to that. And one of those values should be something along the lines of integrity, you know, being truthful with your word um, and also some sort of, um, you know, tolerance to allow people to take risks, you know, to be themselves and to let them, um, you know, explore something, let them be curious about things. And they say, you know, they may say, you know, this may not work, but I want to try it and let the leader say, you know what, tell me a little bit more about it. And if it makes sense, you know, yeah, let's try it. And it may not work. Allow people to go through some of those failures so they can say, wow, you know, I made a big, you know what, but I didn't get fired. And actually I feel good. And my boss feels good about, you know, the fact that I took a challenge and, you know, or, or took a risk. Um, and then, letting people know that it's okay. So yeah. I think that's one of the things there. And then, you know, and sometimes, you know, some organizations out there that deliberately, you know, have um, days or events where we say, you know what, today we're going to talk about our biggest, you know, mistakes and what we've learned from it. And they celebrate it. 
I mean, that right there is huge. Oh, yeah. The more that associates and employees see that in the workplace, they're like, oh, okay. So now I can be my truthful self. I can, you know, not hide and said, you know, I don't know what I'm doing or I don't know how to do this or how to do that. And they just you I think from that you go to the E, which is the effort. And that's when you start to see associates come into the table with, um, you know, just a renewed sense of wanting to participate and wanting to help the organization grow. And that also goes along with the O, which is ownership uh, in the company. So I think all of those things kind of go hand in hand. And it's going to take time. You're not going to trust people overnight, especially if you've been burned. But um, I think if you can walk the talk, if you can make sure that, you know, all of your programs, your processes, your benefit programs, you know, whatever those things may be, if those are all in alignment with the values that you say are important and people can see that, I think you start to develop, um, you know, this reputation of being trustworthy. Right. Absolutely. No, I love that. And yeah. uh, the other portion you mentioned, which I thought was also very good, and I know it happens a lot in <laughs> with with registered nurses for sure, and I'm sure it happens with many, many other uh, positions. But you know, it, this is not what I signed up for, basically. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, I was having a discussion with my daughter the other day, and I was telling her about a job that I had once, you know, before, and it was with this, you know, lovely organization. Oh my God, you know, who wouldn't want to work here? And, you know, you see it from the outside and you just go, wow, you know, they're this, they're that, you know, they've got all this stuff. And then you get hired and then you get inside, right? Into the big (laughs) mansion or whatever you think, you know, from the outside, it looks great. Then you walk in and it looks beautiful inside. And then all of a sudden you start turning on the faucets and there's no water that comes out, (laughs) you know? And so things you start, it may look good on the outside. Right. But once you get on the inside, then it's like, wow. You know, where's the staircase? You got a two story here, but how do I get to the, you know, the, the second floor? And I don't mean that literally. It's yeah. just once you get to the organization, you, you know, it's like, wow, you told me that, you know, the culture was X. And when I get in here, there's all this backbiting or there's all this gossiping or there's all this and that. And, you know, it seems to be okay. Yeah, um, so, yeah, there are there are definitely uh, people that, uh, you know, sign up for jobs, get in there and find out this is not what I signed up for. And I think in, you know, I don't have the data here, but um, I know there's a lot of research out there about turnover in the first 90 days, you know, or turnover in the first uh, first year. And it's quite high. And that's very, very costly to an organization. Yeah. And a big, a big metric in the, the recruiting of registered nurses uh, world is, uh, is, is first year turnover. And in some organizations, you're looking at 30 plus percent of first year yeah. turnover, that's, um, which is that's tough. High. That's very yeah. high. Um, so that's, that's a lot of that's out there. Um, so I know we've got some more stuff coming in. So do, I think we may, we have another question too, right, Joe? What do we have? Yeah. Um, so Kim Ali says, how can you address bullying in the workplace? Fear of retaliation is a barrier for coming forward. Oh, I like that one. Okay. Now, before you answer that, Gwen, I have a question for the audience. Um, who's the best teacher you've ever had? Who's the best teacher in your life that's affected you the most? And But go ahead and answer the question about uh, what she just asked. Did you remember the question or we need to ask it again? <laughs> I think it was something along the lines of how do you deal with a bully? Yes. How do you stop bullying in the work? How do you address bullying in the workplace? That's from Kim. Well, Ari. you know, that's a that's an awesome question. And I know that we have, you know, um, in the workplace, um, a lot of folks that do do bullying. And it, and it could be very subtle. It could be very, you know, out there. Uh, but I think the first thing is making sure that you have that culture again, where people 
uh, you know, want to be there and people start to feel uh, trusted and trustworthy and they trust that the leaders will do something when you bring, you know, things to their attention. So um, from my standpoint, if I was aware of a bully, um, you know, somebody came to me and said, you know, hey, I want this confidential. I want you to say anything, but, you know, something's happening over there. I would let them know that, you know, that is something that we do not tolerate here at the organization and that we do need to investigate. And I'm not going to force the person to come forward. However, I'm going to try to help coach them to let them know that, you know, without them coming and me being able to address that, it's going to be very difficult to stop it. Um, Other things that we can do, obviously, is just bringing that to the attention, you know, through through training. And, and again, it has to be reflected in our values. I mean, there's nowhere in our value statement that says we tolerate bullying. Right, right. And this is a little bit of a sticky situation, but I'm just thinking of a scenario where a lot of times HR departments, um, they're, they're there, of course, to help the employees, but they're also there to protect the company. Absolutely. And so the, it, it, the HR department has a very, very tough, tough situation when an employee comes to them. They want to be loyal and help that employee, but they also want to keep the employer out of harm's way. Tell me, how do you manage that? That's got to be difficult. You know, it is difficult. And I think, again, it depends on the leadership. If you have a leader uh, who supports, you know, being kind in the workplace, um, you know, um, and, and not having, you know, little silos here and there. And, you know, you can talk to this person, but don't talk to that person. You're kind of like those sacred cows. Um, I, I think it starts there. And if you are able to help uh, employees come forward and, 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 and just say, this is what's happening, um, I think you're able to address it a little bit faster. But if they're not willing to do that, you know, have some type of a, an ethics line or a hotline where you can stay anonymous. You know, I mean, I, I personally don't like that, but sometimes you just have to get it out. And um, and sometimes if I know, you know, who the bully is, you know, I can sit down and have conversations with that person, you know, and maybe not so much in so many words, let them know that there's been a complaint against them, but just kind of, you know, feel them out a little bit. And yeah. until we can get that rapport to where maybe they trust me to where then we can, you know, then start talking about it. But again, it's not something that you know you can solve overnight. Yeah, unfortunately. And when you're when you're not able to address it directly, I think the other disadvantage it reminds me of an episode on The Office where they were having this special training, and yeah. the main person who needed the training, he didn't think he needs it. He's like basically ignoring the training. This is for everybody else, but he's right, the main right, culprit. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's got to be a tough that. one. To- Tough one because that's why it goes back to what you said. You want to be able to address the actual issue. Otherwise, this person may take the training, but they may say, Well, I don't need that training. It, it, it was okay. Yeah. 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 You know. you know, if they're doing any type of bullying behaviors, there's probably other things that are going on that you can kind of pinpoint to. Oh, okay. That's yeah. a good point. And so maybe you kind of, you know, you kind of chew around the edges and, and try to find, find something. Um, you know, for example, if, uh, you know, you have a bully that's in the workplace, you know, maybe they, you know, have people that, you know, are assigned to them and those associates end up leaving like within the first 30, 60, 90 days mm. and you can go to that person and say, you know, we've had five people here in this role and they've all left, you know, come on, let's talk about that. Yeah. You, know, so you kind of like put it on the table. So you start to talk about it. That's a good um, one. Yeah. And so yeah. I mean, you just got to be creative in, in, in finding ways to, to address that. 
Now, I'm wondering, though, if most organizations uh, are actually tracking per manager. I know a lot of organizations do track by department and they do track by company uh, or maybe by role. But are they are they doing it by manager? I'm curious. Uh, maybe you can give us your insight. And those in the comments, uh, the organization where you are, are metrics done on a per manager basis that so you can go back to that person and be able to have those kind of figures ready? Um, have you experienced that, Gwen? Have you seen that uh, done yeah. very often? A lot of the organizations that I've been at, um, obviously, you know, depending on the HR system that you have or the tool that you're using to do assessments, mm-hmm. um, it all depends on the sophistication of the system. But more than more than um, all the positions that I've been at, they, they've pretty much allowed you to drill down to the department, to the shift, to the supervisor or to the manager, so we can really, you know, get down and dirty into the details. Uh, um, so in my experience, I have had that information. Do you remember your best teacher? What's your favorite, my best teacher? your favorite, who's the best teacher you've ever had? When you say teacher, as in like elementary school, college, I mean, you can frame it however you want. Just well, whatever me, I said, teacher, my, who do you think about? For human resources, I think my, my mentor is, uh, Lexi Schuster. Uh, she was someone that kind of took me under her arm and, and groomed me, um, I was working at the time in um, the engineering office and I was just totally bored. And I went to her office one day. This is, you know, back then it was called personnel. I'm dating Uh myself now, but it was the personnel (laughs) office. And I went to her and I said, Hey, you guys have any extra projects that I can help you with. And they were giving me little, you know, jobs here and there. And one of them was to send out birthday cards. It was like, Oh, okay, I can do that. So you you sit there and you dress all the birthday cards. And we would mail them out. And then about two months later, Lexi came to me and she said, hey, remember that job you did for us? Um, you know, Rolla said he never got his birthday card. And I said, what? And I said, no, I sent it to him. And I said, as a matter of fact, I remember that he lived on, you know, 235, you know, McDougal Lane in Costa Mesa. And she said, what? And I told her again. And she went to her office, came back and she said, you remember that? And I said, I told you I did it. And then from there, she said, hey, I think you might need to, you know, take a look at personnel. And so I ended up going back to school, back to college, got my certification in personnel management from uh, UC Irvine um, in California. And ever since then, you know, she's just kind of helped me along the way. And, um, you know, unfortunately, she did pass away a couple of years ago. And um but I, you know, I, I still consider her to be my teacher, especially wow. the human resources. That's a wonderful, yeah. what's a wonderful story. And it's yeah, just amazing how it teachers. Is, it is. Yeah, they, and that's what you need to do with, they, with, with, with employees is, you know, find out what their strengths are, use those strengths, develop those and help them to reach their highest potential. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go through some of these folks who put in who their best teacher was or any other comments or questions. Joe, what do we have? Yes. So actually, so um, we have a couple of um, few people that joined us. Um, we have Ahmed El Hamamzi. Oh, Ahmed. Yes, I know Ahmed. Yeah. He's Good to see you. The UAE. Yeah. Um, we have Florence Kamau. Hi, Florence. Um, Rita Moma said her fourth grade teacher back in Nigeria was awesome. She helped me set the foundation for my academic focus. Oh, I love it. Wow. That's great. Good to hear from Rita. That's, that's Dr. Moma. She's a, a doctor of, of pharmacology. Awesome. And any others? 
Yeah. So Kim Ali said, yes, that is a key indicator of poor leadership. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, people leaving. She's probably talking about the people who are leaving. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then Dr. Chad Key said, hello, Mr. Fontenot and Ms. Chambers. Thank you for contributing to this crucial conversation. What is your suggestion for organizations to build values related to culture com competence, diversity, equity, and inclusion into their leadership slash values? Oh, wow. That's a big one. Give me that one more time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it says, what is your suggestion for organizations to build values related to culture, competence, diversity, equity, and inclusion into their leadership slash values? Wow, that's a great question. It is a great question, but my response is, to me, is very simple. Um, and that is to emulate the behavior that you're, that, 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 that you're, want the rest of the organization to, to um, exhibit. Um, I say it's simple, but it's not easy to do. Mm, and again, mm. I think it goes back to the V and love, which is values and identify what are those values? Like for me, um, another acronym for me is choices. That's how these are the values that I use and decisions that I make in my life, whether they be at work or personal. And the, uh, the word is choices. And the acronym st stands for compassion. Humility, optimism, integrity, courage, and excellence. And the last is selfless service. So oh, those wow. are the values that I use. And I try to align that with everything that I do, whether it's diversity, whether it's, you know, inclusion, whether it's benefits, whether it's compensation, you know, whether it's, um, you know, how I treat the neighbor. I mean, those are just foundational for me. And I think that's what we need to do in the organization, again, is establishing what those values are and then behaving in those ways and then making sure that everything you do is in alignment with that. You you definitely have the, you, you have earned the title of acronym queen. <laughs> um, let me give you a little round of applause for that because that is like, wow. Oh my God. <laughs> Where are their masks? No masks. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that was, that was from before COVID. Yeah, All right, so good. that was great. So here's, let's do this, uh, Joe. Let's we won't have time to read it, read them, but unless unless you want to pick certain ones out, but let's at least say the names of the people who contributed the best teacher they've ever had. Um, or do we Rita have anybody? Was, Rita was the only one. Who okay, so Rita. Okay, then let's read Rita's then. That was a fourth grade teacher. You mean the, no? yeah. Oh, you read hers? Okay. Yeah. Okay, perfect. <laughs> I want to make sure we got them, got them all. Okay. <laughs> so I have, I have another question for you. I have a question for you, Gwen. And those and on the comments, I want you to answer this question as well. Uh, would you rather live three years in your car while getting the right education and experience to go where you want to go in life? Or house sit at a friend's mansion for 20 years with a generous spending allowance, but get nowhere in any other aspect of your life during that time? Me? Yes. No brainer. I'll do the three years in my car. I mean, I'm all about purpose. I'm all about, you know, developing my potential. I'm all about selfless service. And I can't do selfless service sitting in a mansion. 
for 20 years. So, so as, as, as nice as that sounds, I'd have to go with three years in my car. Wow. That's, that's inspiration right there. Great question. Wow. I like it. I like your answer on that one. Okay. You want, you ready for another one? Okay. All right. Would you rather be the last ranked person in an accelerated high school class or the first ranked person in a decelerated high school class? Wow. Okay. My response would be the, the first one. Why you is said that? it was accelerated. Accelerated, yes, but you're last. Okay. But I'm giving but I'm 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 it's accelerated, so it's a challenge. I'm accepting the challenge. I took the risk. I may be last, but am I, you know, on, on a, a point of, you know, 100 points as being, you know, number one, am I 98? And everybody else is 99 and 100 or, you know. That's a good way to look at it. Last is not always a bad thing. That is, I love that answer, actually. That's a very <laughs> good one. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So what do you guys say in the comments? Let me know what you guys think. What would you take? Uh, I think I see some people already are going to answer that one. Okay. You got me on a roll. You're so good at this. I got to ask you oh, another one. Okay. Um, we have some answers already. Okay. Give, give, give him an answer. Go, go ahead. Go ahead, okay. uh, Joe. So I said live in my car. Okay. Um, All right. Go Caroline for it. Okay. also said live in her car. Um, oh, Ava said God is the greatest teacher. Ah. Yes, yes. of course. And yes. I also said, I would love to know what happens after those 20 years. Like, do you just get kicked out or? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. You know. Hopefully you made some good connections somehow <laughs> with somebody. Rita said, live in her car. The three years will surely fly by. Um, Ferris also agreed to live in her car. Oh, and then Florence, because um, I'd asked her earlier where she was signing up from, and she says she is from Kenya. Oh, nice. Right. Okay, very good. Um, Rita said, last and accelerated will be very challenging, so I'll take that. And Ferris said, the last person in the accelerated class. Wow. We got some winners on this call. Oh, love this. This is great. Yes. yes. Okay. So now let's, let's go. Let's go. Here's another one here. Would you rather be given the luxury car of your choice and be pulled over and questioned once a week or drive a 1979 Datsun B210, and, which is just an old vehicle, right? And be immune to all traffic violations. Which one would you rather? When you read that question, the first thing that came to my mind was my Bentley Continental GT. And I can just picture myself in that. And if I got pulled over once a week, that would be okay. I'd be obeying all the laws. So, I mean, I have nothing to hide. So, I think I have to go with the first one. Okay. All right. She's going to go with the first one. We'll see with the folks in the comments. We'll, we'll see what you pick. Do you pick the first option where you're given the luxury car of your choice, but you're pulled over uh, in question once a week? I guess it also probably depends on where you live, too, right? Or drive a 1979 Datsun B210 and be immune to all traffic violations. That would be interesting. Okay. So going back to our discussion here, which I think it was really good. We talked about earlier about um, this is not what I signed up for. What advice would you give to someone 
who is in that situation right now, um, what, what, what would advice would you give them? And then if you want to add to that, what could an organization do if they know that they've just hired someone that they probably kind of misrepresented how things were and they realized that, you know, they, they probably should have done things a little differently. If you want to just touch on any, either one of those points, that'd be great. Well, I would say with the, um, what the person can do, I think it's very important that they go to their manager and sit down and let them know, um, you know, that things are not working out or things are not appearing to be as they were explained. Now, on the flip side, um, I would expect that the manager, especially with a new person coming on board, is going to be doing regular check-ins with that person. So they would know that without the person coming to them, they would have already, you know, had that conversation with them to see. And of course, the, the new employee would have to be, you know, truthful and not just say, oh, everything is fine. Everything is fine. Um, you know, it needs to be one of those relationships where the employee and the manager can talk one on one together and then find out why it's not working and then see, is it possible that we do something to change it to where it would be a win win for both sides? Now, if we have misrepresented ourselves to the associate and they signed on and we knew that we weren't going to be able to deliver that, I think that needs to be an honest conversation, especially when you acknowledge that I've done this and I probably shouldn't have, you know, yeah. said what I said or or promised what I promised is to kind of, you know, speak up and say, you know, we told you that we would do this, but we're not able to do that and let them know. And if the person says, well, you know, that's, that was really important to me and I can no longer work here, then, you know, definitely respect that and hopefully learn the next time not to misrepresent yourself. Yeah. Because that's just, I mean, that, that that's hard for both sides. That's hard for both sides. A lot of wasted time, um, a lot of, a, a lot of wasted, um, what do you call it, money. I mean, it, it just, it takes so much to hire to, to actually yes. hire an employee to onboard them i mean it's like why would you do that you know right, right exactly yeah. yeah now and also right now there's a little bit of extra added pressure because we're in the middle of the pandemic and some people may be somewhat afraid to venture this because like you know what i already took this position i'm not 100 percent sure how easy it's going to find how easy it's going to be to find another position right very quickly so maybe i should stick it out so i know folks probably have to uh, gauge that in their decision and how they handle it as well. Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. It's very scary out there. Um, I'm even surprised at some people who are changing jobs right now, mm. you know, because just of all the uncertainty that's out there, but you know, it's, it's happening all the time. You know, positions are getting filled all the time. So yeah. um, I think people are taking calculated risks. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I think so because, you know, it's one thing for you to make the decision to change. But it's another thing for them, for your employer to make the decision on you, you know, <laughs> but we much rather, you know, quit a job than to get fired or laid off. Right. right. So right. maybe, right. maybe some of those folks are saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it into my own, my own hands. Do we have any more answers, Joe? Sorry, Ralph, what was that? Uh, any more answers to our last question that we didn't get maybe about the, the cars? Uh, yes. So Rita said she wants she'd rather be pulled over 52 times a year. <laughs> uh, she said that would make her really popular, so it's not a bad idea. Ferris <laughs> um, says she loves old model cars and will take the older vehicle and not be annoyed. Okay. And, uh, Caroline also said the older car. 
Okay, wow. very good. Okay. We appreciate all your participation today, everyone. Thanks for all your wonderful comments. It's made it, yeah. to me, it's added more energy and, and depth to the conversation. Um, so to just kind of close out, we're, we're coming towards the end of our hour here, and I want to make sure we give attention to um, you know, your main mantra here, which is elevating the human experience in the workplace through L-O-V-E, which we've learned what that is. In fact, let me get it back on the screen here. I'm going to get it back on the screen. Leadership, ownership, values, and effort. So with that in mind, what what's some things you want us to take away and really remember from this discussion? Remember that people matter, that people make a difference, and people can either make your organization win or it can make your organization lose. And I think one of the things that I find myself kind of going back to is Maslow's um, hierarchy uh, of needs. Yes. Yeah. It's the five, the five needs. And it starts at the very bottom, which is, you know, physiological. And then it goes to safety. And then it goes to what love and belonging. And, you know, as, as you kind of go up that, um, that triangle, the top, the very, very top is self-actualization. And some people may say, well, you know, what does that mean? For me, it means living um, in full expression of your authentic self. And so in order for me or anybody else to live in full expression of their authentic self, we have to make sure all of these basic needs at the bottom Mm, are taken care of. So if you as a manager leader, you know, say, hey, you know, I want you to work your full potential and get this project done. Well, if you're not taking care of my physiological needs, you're not paying me right. Right. You're not making sure that I have the proper PPE to go out there. My physical safety is at heart, you know, at risk. I'm probably not going to be up here giving you my fullest potential. Uh, you haven't yes. taken care of the basic needs yet. That's so, so true. Yeah. You got so it. I would say I, that's what I would leave people with is just remembering that, you know, through people, great things can happen. And through people, horrible things can happen. It all depends on the person. And I think it really takes all of us time, you know, to, to make the time to learn about people, what motivates them, um, you know, what turns them on and help them to, to, to find ways to live their potential. Cause after all, that's what we're on the, this earth to do is to fully live out this calling that God gave us. Mm-hmm. So, and I think if we all work together, work as a team and be tolerant of one another, treat each other with you know dignity and respect, and with love, you know, I think we can do lots and we can move mountains. I love that. That's good. Yeah. yeah. That, that was a good way to close the out. Is there any comments we need to read off, Joe, before we sign off here? Um, one last comment from Ferris said, people are the most valuable asset of any organization. Therefore, take care of your people. Mm, Amen. Absolutely. It's, it's what it's all about. It's really what it's all about. And, you know, I think with this pandemic, as, as horrible as it is, I think um, it's going to start changing a lot of things in the workplace a little bit quicker. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're reading a lot of articles now talking about, you know, disruption in the world, disruption in healthcare, disruption in the workplace. It's real. It's real. And I think the, the better that we can come together as people and treating each other with dignity and respect, the better we're going to be. I don't know if you guys have seen anything on the news, but the Capitol, I guess, is under attack. What? Yeah, yeah. So 
it's just, you know, dealing with stuff like that. This is a very, very volatile time. And people wow. need people need comfort. People need to know that you care. People need to know that you're listening and that you see them. You know? Wow. So, but yeah. Interesting. Yeah, we definitely are in interesting times for sure. Yes, well, we thanks. Are. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Gwen, I want to thank you. Thank yeah. you for your time today. This is awesome. A great time. Thank you. Yeah, we'll have to have you come back. 